and it strikes me that uh, the events of Easter didn't just happen on Easter Day, they happened over a, a longer period. And so we're just going to try and recall some of that. If Andy, my picture could go on the, the screen there. Guys, if you could leave the colouring for the moment, there are going to be some prizes in a minute if you know the answer to some questions. So Ruth's got a box of uh, a basket even of Easter eggs. And uh, I'm just going to ask some questions about the Easter story. And uh, particularly, we want to see if those who are maybe 10 and under know the answer to those questions. And then we'll maybe pass it a little bit further. If the questions get harder, we'll pass it further up the age range. But last Sunday had a very special name. It's the Sunday when Jesus came into Jerusalem and all sorts of people cheered. Do any of the boys and girls know the name of last Sunday? Here's, this is the first hand I saw. The, it gets, needs to give an answer first. <laughs> Goodness me. She does that with all my stuff. She gives it away. What was the answer? Palm Sunday. He gets one. Okay. Goodness me, Ruth. Hey, the next one's very easy. It was called Palm Sunday because people took branches from a particular kind of tree and waved it. Oh, what kind of tree? A palm. palm tree. Palm Okay. And Jesus rose on a particular kind of road, on a particular kind of animal. What kind of animal did Jesus ride on? Does anybody know on this side? Yes. Don't you call me a donk. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. That was April Fool. Yeah. All of that. Okay, Jesus rode the donkey. This is the most difficult question I'm going to ask this morning. Well, no, I'm going to ask another one first. Okay, there was a very special word that people shouted out to Jesus as he rode the donkey into. Oh, try over there. Hosanna, that's right. Well done. Now then. Who knows what Hosanna means? Steve Durr just told us last Sunday, but who knows what Hosanna means? Emily Mondon's got her hand up, but Zach's got his hand up. And Emily's not even sitting next to Zach. Zach, do you know what it means? What's your daddy saying? Oh. He deserves an Easter egg for trying, for goal and cheek and enterprise. Who, who knows? Who's... Hands up, what does Hosanna mean? Emily, Mondon, save us, save us now. Okay, this is the hard question now. Okay, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, and the question is, what was the donkey's name? Is that... What do you think the donkey's name was? Do you think it was Jake? Okay, what was the donkey's name? Anybody? <laughs> Anybody? I didn't say Jesus donkey, this donkey. What? Who said Ted? Linda gets an Easter egg. Okay. It's April Fool, you see, you need to catch up with me. Okay, so that donkey in Western Supermare, where we moved here from, is called Ted. I've no idea what the donkey was called that Jesus rode to Jerusalem on. Jesus rode to Jerusalem on a Sunday in our way of looking at things, the first day of the week. But on the Friday, Jesus was put to death on a cross. And uh, anybody know the name? Any of the kids know the name 
when somebody's killed on a cross, what do we call it? Do we know? It is to die. Yeah, Henry, crucifixion. Give that boy an Easter egg. And Jesus died on the cross that day. He very rarely did die. It was serious. Yeah. What are you going to tell? Crucified. Give. uh, (laughs) Give another Easter egg. There's still some left. Yeah. Okay. But there were some other people crucified on that day too. I'm looking for a number. How many people were crucified on that particular day? Sophie, three, give her an egg. Anybody tell me the name of the hill on which Jesus was crucified? Do you know the answer? What was it? Pardon? Two. She's answering the last question. Say three. Can you say three? No, okay. <laughs> Give her two-thirds of an Easter egg. Okay. That's not the question. The question was how, how many people were crucified on that day? You need to listen to the question carefully, Rosemary. <laughs> Rosemary, Rosemary, how many people were crucified on the hill that day? Three. Give her, sorry. <laughs> Give her an Easter egg. Okay. What was the question, Sophie? I can't remember. What was the name of the hill? What was the name of the hill? Calvary is one answer. You've got another answer, John. Golgotha. Well done. You get a chocolate Easter egg too for John. And uh, Golgotha means something. Was that, was that Dave or was it Andy? I don't know who it was. Dave Hodgson, who gives my dog biscuits in the street, deserves an Easter egg for saying the place of the school. <laughs> Yeah, bit of nepotism. Yeah, something like that. Okay, so that was that was on the Friday, uh, and at the end of Friday, Jesus was taken down from the cross. His body, dead body, was taken down from the cross, uh, and there was a man who was a friend of Jesus went to see the Roman governor. What was the Roman governor's name? Does anybody know? Any of the kids, particularly the Roman governor, Zach. Has Daddy got this one right? Pilate, give Zach an Easter egg. Okay, now then, the $64,000 question is, what was the name of this boy that's facing us with the beard who came to Pilate and asked, could he have the body of Jesus and put it in his own tomb? And it, yes, Hannah. Joseph's the right answer. Another Easter egg, if somebody can tell us, where Joseph was from. James, Arimathea. Okay, and, and it's almost, some, somebody once said, Jesus said to Joseph of Arimathea, can I borrow your tomb? I only need it for the weekend. And I don't, I don't know whether that's true or not, whether they'd sort of done that stuff. But Joseph of Arimathea received permission to take the body of Jesus and to put it in a rock tomb. But people were a bit suspicious about what was going on, the governing authorities, and they sealed the tomb, the entrance. What did they use to put across the entrance? Yes, a boulder, a stone, a great big stone. They made sure that nobody could get in and steal that particular body, and no hanky-panky could go on at all. And then we come to Easter Day. There's been Saturday, and we might hear a little bit about Saturday later in the service, but then there was Sunday morning. 
and three ladies went to the tomb. And uh, because Israel's a hot country and bodies get a little bit smelly, they thought it would be really nice to put some scent and some perfume and some spices on the body of Jesus just to show our love for him. And they thought, who's going to move the stone away? Who can tell me the name of those three ladies? Yes. One was called? One was Mary. Okay. What was another one called? What was another one called, Sophie? Another one was called Mary. Goodness. Now, the third one was not called Mary. Okay. Yeah. In Scottish folk song, last night there were four Marys, but in the Bible there were two Marys in this story. Sally, has James told you the right answer? It wasn't Martha, but that was a good try. Okay. Yeah, I hope, I hope he gave you the last Easter egg, did he? Does anybody know? Anybody at all? It's in Mark's Gospel, and it's another lady's name. Yeah? Joanna's in a different Gospel, as far as I know. But give, give uh, Sheila an Easter egg, and she can hand it to Joel or whatever. There. Okay. Yeah? Okay, in fact... Sheila gave us two answers. In different Gospels, it's got different names. In one place, it says Joanna, but in this particular story, it says Salome. So give Sheila uh, an egg. And they came to the uh, tomb. They found the stone was already rolled away. It was a huge boulder. It would take many men to put it in place and to move it away. But there it was. It was removed. And the ladies didn't know what to do. They were quite upset at first. They thought somebody has stolen the body of Jesus. And, and the lady in the middle, who's one of the Marys, Mary Magdalene, she went inside the tomb made of rock, and she saw the place where the body of Jesus had been, and the tomb was empty, and she was really upset because she was expecting to find a dead body, and instead she found the tomb was empty. And she ran back to Jerusalem, and she found two of Jesus' disciples who were sleeping, and uh, I wonder if anybody can name this disciple. Let me show you the other one too. So, anybody name this disciple? Okay, the, the clue is, we know there were two that went to, uh, yeah. Um, um, the Jesus body um, gave them um, teddy bears. Would, would you give him uh, an Easter egg before he comes out with more heresy? Speak to, speak to. <laughs> That was a very good answer. If you didn't hear that, it's just as well. Okay. So, anybody, two friends of Jesus. Uh, were, were, so somebody said a name? It wasn't John the Baptist. I'm John the Baptist. But, uh, yeah, give, where's, where's the eggs? Give, uh, give Linda an Easter egg for getting the John bit right. Okay. So, it was John. And the other one was Solly. Peter, that's right. Okay, let's give Sully an Easter egg this time. Okay, so there's Peter and there's John. And John and Peter had a race to get to the tomb to see what had gone on. Which disciple got to the tomb first? Who said that? Ave. Give, give Ave an Easter egg. Okay, all, all her hands, all things barred now, everything off. This is a free for all. And they ran to the cave. John got there first and saw that it was empty. And then Peter joined him. They looked in and they saw that the tomb was empty, except for the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' body. And it was all folded up. 
and uh, they didn't know what to make of this thing. But one person hung around the tomb on that Easter Sunday morning. And remember what this lady's name was? Everybody? Mary. Mary. Mary was there, and she was tearful. And as she was tearful, she was looking around and uh, really, really upset until somebody spoke to her and called her name. What do you think he called out to her? He called her name. Mary. Give, give Linda another chocolate egg. Goodness me. He called Mary, and, and she looked around. She thought this person was the gardener, and she thought he'd stolen the body. And when he called her name, she realized the person was Jesus. Jesus. Easter egg here, Ruth. You're, you're getting too caught up in the story. Yeah. Okay. And it was Jesus, and she was so excited, and she called him Rabboni, which means master. And uh, she was overcome then with joy at Jesus' uh, feet. So that's, that's the story, and the story of Easter goes on and on and on. But, but I, I thought I'd just show you something this morning with some eggs. I, I don't know if you think about why we have uh, eggs at Easter time. There's a lot of different explanations. But uh, what, one of the explanations is maybe uh, the eggs a little bit like the stone that was rolled away. And sometimes people go rolling Easter eggs early on Easter Sunday morning, or maybe not so early. Uh, it could actually be the shape of the tomb or the cave where uh, Jesus' body was laid. It's also a symbol of new life, an egg. So Mary went to the tomb, and she was expecting to see it full, occupied. What do you think we're going to find when I break this egg? Yes. Hamish, what's going to happen? <coughs> give him another Easter egg, would you? Quick, 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 quickly, Ruth. Give, give, give him another egg, quickly. Okay. What do you think is going to happen when I break this egg? Is it going to be yucky? What do, you, what do you call the bits inside an egg? Yeah, you call it the yolk and you call it the white. So she expected the tomb to be full like this with all the yuckiness inside. And uh, it wasn't. I've, I've got another egg here and I, I just got a special idea. Who actually would be prepared for me to break this egg over their head? Do you think that would be a good idea? Not you. Oh, wait, we've got volunteers. James is volunteering. Okay. Tim's volunteering. I can't reach you. Sorry, I can't do it to children because the last time I did this, I left the child with a big red mark. And your dad's a tough man. Derek, Derek, what? You, you'll, do, you'll do it. Why don't you break it on my head? No, you break no. it on my head. No, I, 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 I don't want to get into trouble. Just, just break it on my head, would you? Are you sure? Just smash it on my head. Are you ready? Ten. Two, three, three, two, one, whatever. Three, two, oh! <laughs> oh! So there's some little bits of paper in there. It wasn't completely empty. Okay. Can, can you have a look and see, Mike? What does it say on the pieces of paper there? He is not here. He is risen. Jesus is alive. Well, absolutely. That's fantastic. And some people... Some people think that the resurrection was the greatest April Fool ever, that we're all stupid people for believing the resurrection. But the Bible tells us that the resurrection is the most important thing of all. Mike's going to come and read from the Bible uh, a passage which talks about that. 
And then boys and girls, if you'd like to come and do some coloring here, there's plenty eggs left in the basket and there may well be prizes at the end of the service. So if anybody wants to come and do these things now, Mike, please come and read. but um, I'll do my best. I think this actually tops the lot, really. From 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 to 8, followed by verses 17 to 20, which you have there. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel... You are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Amen. Thanks, sir. Mike, Paul's saying in that passage that actually the resurrection is the clinch, clincher. It's the deal breaker. If the resurrection never happened, then we are wasting our time in church this morning. We are wasting our time in Christian living. But the evidence for the resurrection is absolutely overwhelming. We're going to see a short video where somebody called Andy Bannister argues the evidence for the resurrection. When the Muslim festival of Ramadan comes around, the uh, media and the newspapers are full of stories uh, laying into Islam, questioning the reliability of the Quran, questioning Muhammad, even whether he existed, and so it goes on. Hang on a minute. No, sorry, that's Easter, isn't it? Interesting. I wonder what the attack will be this year. I actually admire our uh, critics and the skeptics in the media for having figured out that if you want to cut Christianity off at the knees, Easter and the story of Jesus' death and resurrection is the place to go. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then our faith is useless. We are to be pitied above all people. So why do Christians believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Do we just believe it because we believe it because we believe it? Because it's a nice story? Because we've been smoking something pleasant? There are a number of facts around the death and the resurrection of Jesus that are very hard to explain. In fact, impossible, I would suggest, to explain, taken together unless the stories of Easter are true. What are they? Fact number one, that Jesus was killed by crucifixion. 
As one sceptical scholar put it, the crucifixion of Jesus by the Romans sometime around about 30 AD is probably one of the best attested facts of ancient history. Why? Well, because no Christian or Jew would make up the story of the crucifixion of Jesus. Christians, and the first Christians were all Jewish, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah, and the Messiah was supposed to overthrow and defeat the Romans, not get killed by them. In fact, you can see on the pages of the New Testament the, the first Christians struggling uh, with the embarrassment, particularly in the Jewish world, of the uh, story and the scandal of the cross. Secondly, on the uh, Sunday morning, Jesus' tomb was found empty by a group of his women followers. The testimony of women uh, was considered to be almost worthless uh, in the ancient world, uh, back in those non-progressive times. And so if you were the first Christians making up the story of Easter Sunday, you would not have the women there as the uh, discoverers of the tomb. You would have good, reliable, male, first-century Jewish witnesses, people like Paul or James or John. The fact that the women are there, why are they there? Well, the only reason that historians can come up with is because that was what happened. It's also interesting to notice that preserved on the pages of the Gospels, and in fact in Jewish literature, we have the attacks of uh, the enemies of the early church, particularly the Jewish authorities who wanted to repudiate uh, the first Christians. And they don't deny the empty tomb. They simply claim that disciples stole the body. See what's interesting? Both the uh, early Christians and their opponents agreed on one thing. The tomb was empty. The only disagreement was about why. Thirdly, we're on very strong ground with our next piece of evidence that the uh, first Christians had encounters with what they believed to be the resurrected Jesus, risen from the grave. Those resurrection stories are all over the pages of the New Testament. And again, historians take it as a given that something dramatic happened. In fact, the Jewish historian Pinkas Lapide once remarked, he said, we have to ask the question as historians, what transformed the first Christians from a terrified bunch of men and women in fear of their lives to the most self confident missionary force in world history. What transformed those disciples? And we have to remember, of course, that almost many of, many of the first Christians gave their lives and died uh, for uh, proclaiming the truth of the resurrection. And as another historian remarked, liars make bad martyrs. And then fourthly, and finally, we have the transformation of skeptics. Uh, recorded there in history, we have the lives of several people who went from being skeptics and doubters about Jesus to actually being believers and converts based on the resurrection. Perhaps the most famous is the Apostle Paul, who went from being a persecutor of the early Christians, murdering the first Christians, to then after the resurrected Jesus appears to him on the Damascus Road, his life turns around, he becomes this incredible preacher and missionary and advocate of the Christian faith, and ends up giving his life for what he believed. Those are the four facts. Now, what are you going to do? Put your fingers in your ears, cover your eyes, sing la 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 and ignore them, or fall at Jesus' feet and say, you are Lord and you are God and my life is yours. The one thing we all have to do is choose. The one thing you cannot do is sit on the fence. This Easter, I challenge you if you haven't already done so, think carefully and choose wisely. So we're going to worship in song again just now and declare the truth of the resurrection. As we do so, there's the opportunity to bring our offering. If you're visiting with us, don't feel obliged to put something in the offering. But if you want to worship Jesus in that way today, you're very welcome to do so. Let's stand, shall we, as we're ready to sing. You're alive, you're alive, you have risen, hallelujah, and the power and the glory is given, hallelujah. 
We've been looking at the story from the Bible of the resurrection of Jesus on Easter Day. We've listened to some of the arguments which say that the resurrection actually happened. But what does it mean? So what? And we're going to address that in two ways as we move towards the close of our service. We're going to see a very short video which tries to bring things uh, home to us personally. And then Ruth's going to wrap things up with uh, a challenge to us and an opportunity to respond as we draw to a close. So let's watch the video just now.
I want you to think for a moment that it's not Sunday, it's Saturday. And the Saturday, the in-between day, between the Friday and the Sunday. I just want you to think for a moment what those disciples felt like. That absolute question and devastation and wondering what on earth was going on. And I, I, as we've been preparing for this, uh, this Easter service, um, I just uh, sense that God wants to challenge us as to where we are right now in our, in our spirits. And I, I sense that God wants to say that there are some people um, with us today, and, and maybe you're one of them, maybe you know somebody in your um, walk of life, in your, your, one of your family, your neighbourhoods, um, your community, at your work, or maybe it's yourself who are stuck in Saturday. And God wants to say, Sunday's come. Sunday is here. And the tomb is empty. And maybe we don't have to imagine too hard about what those disciples were feeling because maybe some of us might be feeling that right now. And maybe for some of us, The, uh, the disciples thought, can you open this for me, darling? The di- disciples thought that they had it all together and they, they saw the picture and, and everything was all sorted for them. The Saviour was here and he was going to sort everything out. And uh, has it got... Oh, has it not been opened? John's going to sort it. And... Uh, it's all been, it's all been sealed up. It's all right, <laughs> and uh, they uh, they all were completely sorted in their heads of what was going on, and yet on the Saturday they were just left with like just just broken bits of jigsaw, and the, the, their picture in their head was kind of disintegrating, and some of you may feel right now, or you know somebody right now, that all they've got is some broken bits of jigsaw. And they're just saying, what on earth is going on? But God wants to say to you, Sunday's come. Sunday's here, and the tomb is empty. Some of us right now might be remembering quite a long time ago, or maybe not so long ago, maybe years and years and years ago, that for you, you had that revelation of the resurrection. But right now, you're thinking, I'm not in that place. Maybe in your, in your heart and in your spirit, that tomb, the way you've seen that stone rolled away years and years and years ago, maybe your spirit's got tired and weary, maybe circumstances have crowded in, and in your mind and in your spirit, you've rolled back that stone and you've covered it over again you've covered the tomb and you've said I can't, I can't do this anymore God wants to tell you Sunday's come Sunday's here the stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty and I just want to encourage you if If you're in that place right now, or even on behalf of somebody that you know is in that place right now, I want you to encourage you to step out 
of Saturday. Step over that boundary from Saturday into the Sunday to walk into that garden and to walk towards the tomb and to see that the tomb is empty and the stone has been rolled away. Because if we're constantly living in that Saturday mode, then we're trapped and we're stuck. But God wants to tell you, Sunday's come. Sunday's here. And if we know and we live in that celebration of the Sunday, it means that God gives us the strength to face the mundanity. We're trying to work out whether mundanity is a word, the mundanity of Monday, because Monday is just kind of like, sometimes we just have to hang in there. It might give us the faith and the, and the strength to face the trauma of a Tuesday or the whys of a Wednesday, and you can fill in the blanks for everything else. It might not be that everything gets all sorted, but God says if you see that the tomb is empty, if you see that the stone has been rolled away, if you see the revelation of the resurrection and you're taken on and you say, Sunday's come, Sunday's here, we don't have to wait for it. Then we can walk out into the, into the weeks ahead and the months ahead and the years ahead and the circumstances that are holding us prisoner in that tomb and say, we don't have to do that anymore. Sunday's come. And I just want to give us an opportunity. I mean, I'm, I think quite tactilely and visually. And so if this isn't helpful for you, that's fine. But I want to give you the opportunity to respond to that. We've got something that symbolizes the stone, the tomb, the, the, the stone that blocked the tomb here. And I need John to help me just now. <laughs> And in front of here are lots of stones that might symbolize the circumstances that may be personally for you, maybe situations that you know for somebody else, maybe it's a situation that you're really, really tearing your hair out and you think, I can't, can't sort this. And that symbolizes the stone in your life. And God wants to say, the stone has been rolled away. And if you feel that you want to respond in any way that might help you, you I, invite, I just want to invite you to come up and to place the stone. I'm going to place a stone right now. I'm going to place a stone for my sister, who I long, long to become a Christian, and I long her to see the reality of the resurrection. And I'm going to place it in here right now and say, it's Sunday. Sunday's come. And I'm going to pray in faith for my sister that she will see the power of the resurrection in her life. And I want to invite you all right now. We're going to play a song, hopefully. See what a morning. Gloriously bright. And God is saying, Sunday's come. Jesus is risen. The tomb is empty. And if you want to come forward and just symbolically place a stone in here, and then at the end, we're going to roll the stone and say death is defeated and we have the victory.
Father, we thank you that your word says death has been defeated. Sunday has come, Sunday's right here. And God, I just pray that each one of us, as we have symbolically presented our, all those, those stones to you, that we would see and experience the truth of the resurrection in our lives and in the lives of those around us. We just pray in faith that we would know the power of the empty tomb and we would see that the stone has been rolled away. Amen. I'm just gonna ask John to help me. Yeah. The stone has been rolled away. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We're going to end by singing a victory song and just receive that promise as we face throughout the week and the days ahead. God bless you.
In just a moment, there'll be tea and coffee served through the, uh, the back here, and you're all welcome to share with us in that. You're also welcome to receive prayer if something's happened this morning which has touched your heart and you want somebody to pray with you for it or identify with you in some struggle you're going through, then there are those of us here who'd be very happy to uh, pray with you before you go for your tea and uh, coffee. We're going to put the words on the screen again that we had at the beginning, which is uh, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. We're going to go out with the same declaration that we came in with. Uh, I'm going to suggest, if it's possible, you turn around and face the door so that we don't keep this message in here. We send this message out there. So the response is, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Get that sort of planted in your brain. And I say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen. God bless you.